we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the September 8th edition of the sunny side of sports. The Rugby Sevens World Cup for both men and women kicks off Friday at the Cape Town Stadium in South Africa. Michael Cariotti previews the three-day global rugby festival. Sporty greetings, Michael. Sporty greetings, Sonny. New Zealand are in South Africa to defend their Sevens Rugby World Cup men and women's titles against the best 23 men and 15 women rugby-playing nations in the world. The Kiwis are eager to retain their titles, but are unlikely to have it their own way against the likes of Olympic champions Fiji and powerhouses, Australia, France, England, Argentina, Samoa, and the worst, South Africa. Rugby coach of old Ararians in Zimbabwe, Derek Chuare, predicts a tough and very exciting rugby extravaganza which starts on September 9 and ends on September 11. This competition is going to be tough. There are a lot of big guns in the Sevens um, World Series circuit now that are obviously taking part in the World Cup. Kenya, Uganda and Zimbabwe are representing Africa in the men's competition while Madagascar and South Africa are playing in both the men and women's competitions. Zimbabwe coach Graham Kolbeck promises a good show from the cheetahs. We will be pursuing excellence and I can promise you that we will be pursuing excellence in every game that we play. The second element of our culture within the cheetahs is competitiveness. So we will be as competitive as we possibly can from second one uh, to the last, uh, to the final whistle blows. And uh, the third one is uh, spirit within the team. We will play with the cheetahs spirit. For South Africa's women's team captain, Methrin Simmons, it is an honor to be playing in her third World Cup after winning bronze in 2018. It's a surreal feeling. I, I can't describe how the feeling because obviously it's the third World Cup and you want to play for your country and how special is it to play it at home. So that's really an honor for me. There are places too for Ireland, Japan, Wales, Canada, Scotland, Germany, Korea, Chile, Jamaica, Hong Kong, Uruguay, and Portugal in the men's competition. Ireland and Portugal will get the tournament rolling on Friday, and Suarez thinks South Africa's Blitzbox will win the ultimate prize. South Africa, uh, the Blitzbox have really worked and they've been consistent throughout. I expect them obviously to take it. Being um, the ones hosting it, they all have home advantage, so South Africa should definitely take it. If not, Fiji will be my second team that will probably uh, go on to win it. New Zealand, France, USA, Australia and South Africa qualified automatically for the Women's World Cup, but will face strong challenge from Fiji, Japan, China, Canada, Brazil, Colombia, Ireland, England, Poland, Spain, and Madagascar. The Rugby Sevens World Cup was introduced in 1993 and was in that year won by England, who beat Australia 31-17. 
for the sunny side of sports. This is Michael Kariati in Harare, Zimbabwe. Thanks, Michael. Now let's go to the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, where a new football academy has been created near Virunga National Park for youth ages 10 to 16. Officials at the academy say the school has much bigger objectives than improving soccer skills. Zanam Neti Zaidi reports from Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The academy is called Youth Virunga Football Training and it's located in Lumangabo in the middle of the green nature of the Virunga National Park. 50 young people have been selected to take part in this new soccer school which aims to train young people so they are not tempted to join armed groups, of which there are hundreds in the province of North Kivu, in the east of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Physical exercise, tactics and ball handling are at the center of the academy's training sessions. Coach Prince Katsuva says the school also has important environmental and societal objectives. Soccer can also be used to protect the environment. We started this initiative to protect the Virunga National Park, which is a world heritage. If these young people are not supervised, they risk joining the rebel groups. So we are preventing them by introducing them to the sports. Emmanuel Bahati Keita, head of the Southern Sector of the Virunga Park, says he hopes the academy can help protect the park and improve the lives of the young players. Fifth Park is under threat and the threats come from young people who are used by armed groups. So we put in place this initiative to fight against these threats that the park faces using soccer. The project's coordinator for his parts prefers to dream big. Diebo Yongo uses the example of Senegalese football star Sadio Mane, who today helps the community where he grew up. Today we see what the footballer Sadio Mane is doing for his community. We also believe that among these young people, there will be footballers who will be useful to our country thanks to this initiative. Virunga Park has been under increasing threats since the resurgence of the M23 rebellion in late 2021. In recent months, they have been carrying out attacks on military positions, some of which are located in Virunga Park. For the sunny side of sport, I'm Zanem Netizaidi in Goma. Thanks, Zanem. In African women's football, the field is now set for Friday's semifinals at the Kasafa Women's Championship in South Africa. Zambia will take on defending champion Tanzania in the first semifinal, and that will be followed by a match between host South Africa and Namibia. Both semifinal matches will be played at Wolfson Stadium, just outside Port Elizabeth, South Africa. The Copper Queens of Zambia were the most dominant team in the group phase. 
The Copper Queens, bidding for their first Kasafa Trophy, scored 11 goals and kept their opponents scoreless. Leading the Zambian attack is Captain Barbara Banda, who has a tournament leading eight goals. Now the Copper Queens and the host team, Banyana Banyana of South Africa, have both qualified for the 2023 Women's World Cup, which will be hosted by Australia and New Zealand. The Super Falcons of Nigeria have also qualified for next year's Women's World Cup. The Super Falcons recently completed a two-match friendly series here in the United States against the top-ranked U.S. women's national soccer team. The USA posted two victories, beating Nigeria 4-0 in Kansas City, Kansas, and 2-1 here in Washington. My colleague, Baba McCary of the VOA's Housa Service, spoke with some fans at Audi Field here in Washington after Nigeria's loss to the USA to get their reaction. I thought Nigeria played a great game. Uh, the U.S. women's team is the best in the world. Nigeria came out attacking, respectful. It was a great game. It was more attacking. Um, you know, the U.S. came out very physical, and then Nigeria responded with a little bit of physicality. Uh, the start of the second half, Nigeria was attacking with confidence. Um, they definitely earned that goal, and then followed up with uh, more attacking. Standout player uh, for me in the whole match was number seven from Nigeria. She was amazing. On the U.S., there were some really good players, too. Number nine, number 14, very calm with the ball. But it was really great to see number seven and see Nigeria have a good game with the U.S. It was a fun time. Awesome experience. I thought it was a pretty exciting game tonight. It was much closer competition than I would have expected. No, I'm not disappointed. Uh, Roosevelt's one of my favorite players, and so I really liked watching that, that second goal as a header. Uh, but I don't think we expected to come in and, and you know play the same way as Saturday. So I, I think the two ones are pretty good result. I was impressed with how, how hard they played all the way through 90 minutes. I thought they had a lot of heart. I thought it was good. So, I mean, a much better performance than uh, the one on Saturday. Uh, the, the one thing, I just want to see the team play more of their strengths, you know, because they're fast. So instead of trying to play through, just play those long balls out of the wings, let them run onto them, you know, just do what they got to do. But, I mean, it, it, it looked good. I know it was a young team, a, a team uh, with some players from, uh, you know, who played at, at the, uh, the AFCON. So, you know, but some of the players got some experience, you know, hopefully in the future they'll help them. Um, I think it was a very good improvement from the last game on Saturday. Um, the Super Falcons obviously played respectfully because they didn't want to be, they didn't want the margin to be as high as it was the last time. So they were cautious with um, staying back and defending. But uh, America, I'm Super M, the U.S. national team was all over them to start with, and they were unlucky to have considered as the Super Falcons an own goal after so much pressure from the American team. But overall, I think it was a good improvement from Nigeria. Um, I mean, 2-1, it could as well have been 1-1. Um, yeah, it was a better showing this time around. So how's the uh, scoring chances uh, from the Nigeria side? Uh, Nigeria created not too many scoring chances, but when they created it, it was very purposeful. Um, I mean, we could have scored two more goals, I mean, but it wasn't much. The scoring chance for Nigeria wasn't much, but, you know, the U.S. national team created a lot of them. Um, maybe we're just, Nigeria was a bit 
lucky to have kept it at two goals, it could have been more. Okay, from what you have watched, what advice would you give to the team, uh, the Nigerian team? Um, I think it's well that we're having much um, young players in the squad is a good thing. I mean, if, if you have a squad captained by Rashida Ajibade, that means the team has to be young because she herself is a young player. Uh, so the infusion of young team, young players, is a good thing. And I think it's a good step in the right direction. I mean, so that uh, because a lot of teams actually in Africa is catching up with Nigeria now, we need to start thinking forward. You know, young squads, uh, more tactical approach. And yeah, that's what I think. That's what I would advise. Your name? My name is Benga Salu from Nigeria. Nigerian football fan Ben was talking with my colleague Baba McCary of the VOA's Hausa service here in Washington. And thanks to Baba for collecting that fan reaction for us. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Francis Tiafo defeated Russia's Andrei Rublev Wednesday, 7-6, 7-6, and 6-4 to advance to the men's singles semifinals at the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in New York. It's Tiafo's best ever showing at a Grand Slam tournament. He's also the first American man to reach a U.S. Open semifinal in 16 years. And Francis Tiafo is also the first black man from the United States to reach a U.S. Open semifinal since Arthur Ashe in 1972. Fittingly, Francis Tiafo's triumph over Andre Rublev on Wednesday came at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. The crowd was going wild, cheering for Francis Tiafo. Yes, I'm going to give Francis Tiafo an official sunny side of sports salute. Speaking after his victory, Francis Tiafo said, and I quote, everyone loves a Cinderella story, just trying to make one. Tiafo's Cinderella story will continue on Friday as we hear now from the AP's Graham Agars. Francis Tiafo has kept his amazing U.S. Open run going, moving into his first major semifinal, 
with a powerful 7-6-7-6-6-4 win over the Russian ninth seed Andrei Rublev. He next takes on Carlos Alcaraz, who survived the marathon five-hour-plus, late-finishing five-set battle against Yannick Sinner, the winner of that bruising encounter, now in a race to be ready for Friday's semi-final match with Tiafo. Women's number one, Iga Svantec, entered the run of American women's hope Jessica Pagula, closing out their quarter-final in straight sets. I'm Graham Agars. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle, at VOA Sunny Sports. More reaction now to Nigeria's recent two-match friendly series against the USA in women's football. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the USA beat Nigeria 4-0 in Kansas City, Kansas. And they also beat the Super Falcons 2-1 here in Washington. Iron Mike Mbonye contacted African women's football analyst Jennifer Okoye. Well, for me, I would say that the Super Falcons of Nigeria really impressed me because I look at it very well. They played in the U.S. and uh, uh, they played in front of uh, their fans. I'm talking about the U.S. national team. Uh, yet the Falcons, uh, they stayed strong. Uh, the Falcons, they were without their regular starters also. And then uh, uh, the attack and then uh, the defense, it was something that uh, they were not so used to yet. And I would say that uh, it's not a, a bad start at all. It's not uh, a bad game. They tried. The first game, they lost four goals to nothing. And the second one, they lost two goals to one against the U.S. I mean, for several years, they've not been able to score against uh, USA. They are current world champions. And played at home in Washington to them is a big plus for the Super Falcons of Nigeria. That's the way I see it. The FIFA Women's World Cup is scheduled for next year's summer in Australia and in New Zealand. Do you think the games will assist the Nigerian team correct errors before next year's World Cup? Absolutely. It will assist them to correct a lot of mistakes. You know, uh, looking at the positives uh, for me that I picked from that game, probably those who did not see that game, they may not necessarily understand that uh, while uh, I'm talking the way I am actually uh, talking. Because for a time in that game, Super Falcons actually dominated. They dominated back, uh, you know, and they have uh, the, the Americans, I mean, the U.S. Uh, women national team, you know, uh, as if uh, they were going to pin and then pin them down and then get some some goals. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I think uh, that from, from that game, I would say that uh, they really tried. They did so well with the way they played. If they had their regular players like uh, maybe... Um, 
Aziza Toshala, Ayinde Okobi, and um, maybe it would have been something different, but I would say that they really impressed me so much. I must give it to Chenakano for getting that one goal. It's a very good one for the Super Falcons. The, what is needed right now for the coach, uh, Coach Wardrum, what he needs to do is to pick up all the points, you know, everything now that he's discovered from this game, and then go back home and then work on those things before the World Cup next year. They still have the time. Jennifer, do you also recommend more friendlies for the Super Falcons, especially using some members of the Nigeria under 20 film before the World Cup? Indeed, I suggest uh, more friendlies for the Super Falcons because that will give them room for, you know, observing a uh, lot of uh, problems or where they are having challenges and then integrating this on the 20 girls because it's very important. These are the girls that are still, they are very hu hungry. They want to do everything that they can to announce their presence in the uh, senior national team. They will be integrated in the team, no doubt about that. But I think uh, five of them is still very minimal for the Super Falcons uh, for that squad. Maybe they the coach might still have to bring in uh, three or four players from that on the 20 to inject into the Super Falcons uh, for them to, you know, do better as they uh, they get to 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 the World Cup. I'm talking about uh, the World Cup. Uh, of course, we know it's coming out. It's coming up next year. But every serious-minded uh, country, they have started their, their preparation in top gear. So this should not be a stop for the Super Falcons or maybe the last for the Super Falcons. This should actually be a start. I still expect them to play countries like France, uh, England, and then uh, play one or two of uh, African countries and then one from Asia and something like that. That's what they should do. They should Keep up uh, the, the good work that they started. Let them not just do and then mellow down or relax because they have to just put everything into work and actualize everything that they have set out to do before the World Cup proper come 2023. That's African women's football analyst Jennifer Okoye. And she spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Inugu, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Randy Waldrum, coach of the Super Falcons of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thanks. Thanks, coach. English Premier League football. Chelsea has fired its German manager, Thomas Tuchel. And there's been mixed reaction among fans of the Blues. VOA's Gwen Uten has more details, and Gwen also has some news about the head coach who will succeed Tuchel. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. On Tuesday, Chelsea suffered a shocking 1-0 defeat to Dinamo Zagreb in their group stage opener in the Champions League. But the following day, that match result was upstaged by even more shocking news that manager Thomas Tuchel had been sacked. Chelsea have been off to a poor start in their new Premier League campaign, and following their Champions League defeat, the club acted swiftly in firing Tuchel and released a statement that read, on behalf of everyone at Chelsea FC, the club would like to place on record its gratitude to Thomas and his staff for all their efforts during their time with the club. The surprise headline caused mixed reaction among Chelsea fans, but many of those who spoke to Reuters News outside Stamford Bridge agree Thomas Tuchel should have been given more time to turn the club around. 
I think it was a bit of a surprise. I think there have been many changes with the club, with the new ownership, new signings. So they haven't played well, but he should have been given more of a chance. No, I think it's a bit rash. I think he should have been given more time. I don't think it, it makes sense with the transfer policy. I mean, you bring in Aubameyang, what, less than a week ago? Plays 50 minutes and now he's here at the club. It felt a bit... It felt a bit like the old regime. I'm disappointed like everyone else. I, I'm getting that same sort of... I feel the same disappointment, disappointment as when the first time they got rid of Mourinho. You know, it's like oh, the end of the world. Personally, I'm quite happy because for the last 20 months at the start, it was quite a good system. But now it's just the same boring football. Whenever we get the ball in the midfield, Jorginho is always just passing it back. And I think we need more players like... It was a shocking news today, and I, I think that Tuchel uh, does a lot, a lot of good in, you know, in the for for us. But maybe it's the right time to go because you know uh, it was a really not not good um, couple of last matches. So I think maybe we need the change. And to help facilitate that change, the attention turned to finding Thomas Tuchel's successor. As of this report, Brighton and Hove Albion manager Graham Potter has verbally agreed to take over Chelsea as the new head coach. But some fans aren't entirely convinced Potter is the right choice. Graham Potter is the Brighton manager. Uh, I really appreciate him. I think he's a great manager, but... Uh, Brighton is not uh, a big team like Chelsea, and maybe he'll be uh, struggle. He'll be struggle to, you know, to do it in in the big league. So, Chelsea Football Club is a great, is a great club, and Brighton is also, but not not at the same level. I think getting Potter would be like getting Frank Lampard. You know, that was a, uh, you know, one of those decisions, a popular decision, but no, I don't think he's the man for the job. However, this supporter says with no time to waste, Potter is worth a try. I like his start of play. I think it's very positive. Um, I think he'd help a lot against against the teams that we struggle to break down. The way he overthrown everything, the way he's really pushing these wing-backs on. I think, you know, you look at Cucurella play for Brighton, you look at Bruce James who's played for us. I mean, they could thrive on that, that sort of setup. And it'd be interesting. It would be interesting to see him make that step up. I mean, he's not managed this sort of club before, but... Give him a chance, you know. No one, yeah. I think if it's not, if we don't get Potter now, probably never get. So worth the problem. Still, another fan believes Emma Hayes, Chelsea women's head coach and three-time women's Super League manager of the season, should have been up for consideration. I think Graham Potter's a great manager. Uh, he got three promotions in a row and then took took clubs to the Champions League. He's he's got experience. He's doing well at Brighton. He's done well at Swansea. Um, he's a good manager. Part of me thinks Emma Hayes should be given a chance. She's done well as a Chelsea women's manager. Mm. After what's happened in the summer with the women's winning the Euros, why shouldn't women be given a chance to manage a Prem team? Over the summer, Chelsea spent the most money in Premier League history in a single transfer window. With the backing of new Chelsea owner, American Todd Bowley, Thomas Tuchel signed 11 players for the 2022-23 season for a record-breaking 271 million U.S. dollars. So far, the investment hasn't quite paid off. Chelsea are currently 
26th in Premier League standings. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Let's take a look at the Premier League standings. The Gunners of Arsenal are on top of the table. They have 15 points from six matches. The Gunners have five wins and one loss. Manchester City right behind the Gunners with 14 points from six matches. Tottenham Hotspur also with 14 points from six matches. Brighton is in fourth place with 13 points. Manchester United has 12 points. And the Blues of Chelsea, as Gwen mentioned, are in sixth place with 10 points, three wins, one draw, and two losses. The Blues of Chelsea, will they be singing the Blues for the remainder of the 2022-2023 Premier League season? We'll see if the new manager can write the Chelsea ship. And that wraps up the September 8th edition of the show. I get it. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.